It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonus so join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Modern League Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Lavin, and Thomas Henderson. How you guys doing today? Pretty good. Doing good. Doing good. All right, so for Promote Accenture this week, there were not there's not just one, but two historically and I guess memorable weddings occurred on this date. The more recent of the two, it was 1956, and actress Grace Kelly, she got married to Prince Rainier of Monaco. And then the other one uh, happened in the late 1700s. Marie Antoinette got married to King Louis XVI. So in honor of these great weddings... Who are we going to behead? Excellent question. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that that is one way you could go here, I guess. <laughs> But of these uh, baseball power couples, I guess we could call, who are we going to promote, extend, or trade? <clears throat> First, we have a very uh, odd couple, Leo DeRocher and Lorraine Day. Next, we have very famous Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe. And then, of course, last but certainly not least, R.I.P. A-Rod and J-Lo. Oh, R.I.P. R.I.P. in peace. Gone, but not forgotten. Almost Mets legends. What was that White Sox tweet with Eloy? Always in our... (laughs) 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 Uh, The extent is, I think, pretty easy. It's DiMaggio and Monroe. You know, it's like top 10-ish player all time. I don't know exactly where. Inner Circle Hall of Famer with arguably the... Most famous uh, icon of the middle century, middle yeah. of the last century. Plus, he really loved yep. her. Did he? I don't know. I don't know of the details about this. He. Did, I was looking at. He sent red roses to her grave three times a week for twenty years. Oh, yeah. Wow. Very very famous uh, story. He never got remarried. And supposedly, and this has been disputed, but supposedly, according to his, I think it was his lawyer, his last words were, finally, I got to see Marilyn. Jeez. Yeah. That is love. Ah. That's definitely extended then. Yeah. Yes. 
And in a complete G move, he barred the Kennedys from attending her funeral. Oh, oh yeah. yes. <laughs> um, and I kind of want to trade um, A Rod because man, fuck A Rod. <laughs> give a shit about A Rod. I agree, Lucas. We're on the same page here. We definitely support J Lo, though. This is a pro J Lo podcast. I had to, to confess something. I don't know that I've I could name a single J Lo song. Uh, I could think of like one or two, but we still support J Lo here anyway. Should we go so far as to say she's a friend of the pod? Yes. Um, I would like that. I, I would be. I think I would be good friends with J Lo. That'd be cool. She should definitely come on the show. We can get some good way to get some clicks. I think that'll that help. Be, uh, I think that'll help. Yeah. We're going to have her and Bono on. Uh, not well, Bono. Where the fuck did I get that? <laughs> Bono. <laughs> Ringo. How did I get Bono from Ringo? Front oh, of the podcast, know. Bono, too? Because they're both giant pieces of shit. Point being, we can get both of our huge musical fans on the pod one week and, you know, have a riveting discussion about music industry and how baseball is related. I don't fucking know where I'm going with this. Come on the show, Ringo, and Bono, and J-Lo. <laughs> so many O's. All right, well. All right, um, let's move on now to the way too early draft update. <clears throat> and my guy, Judd Fabian, he had a solid week this week. I uh, went 5 for 18 with three doubles, a homer. Four walks, four strikeouts, and a stolen base. So that brings his line this year up to a 246, 358, 681, with 12 homers, 24 walks, two steals and three attempts, and 53 strikeouts in 34 games. So the, uh, the ratio is getting a little better there. Mm-hmm. Now, Lucas, I hear that Brady House has made some money. So, uh, let me give you the – he played three games this week. Um, two of the games uh, do not have stats yet, frustratingly enough, but his season line is now up to 554, 663, and uh, – where the fuck is this slugging? Slugging is like 1,200. It, it's good. It's huh. real good. <laughs> real good. Um, so I believe this, uh, uh, this article was in reference to his game on the 14th, uh, when he squared off against right-hand pitcher Dylan Lesko. Um, not someone we've talked about because he's the top prep arm in the 2022 draft. So, uh, next, next year's, right? Yes, that's how time mm-hmm. works. Um, so, uh, House, uh, went, ripped a single in his first bat, two doubles, um, and then, uh, uh, a pop-up, ironically, once, uh, uh, the good pitcher was out of the game, just a random lefty in relief is the one he popped up against. Point you know, being, that this is telling everyone, by the way. Hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In, like, six years, when, when yeah. House is reaching the age, like, yeah, well, I got that guy to pop up one time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Point Sash. being, uh, that yeah, does sound very Metzian, then. If he's doing good, <laughs> and then they, uh... Bring in the no-name left-handed reliever. Soft-tossing left. Well, it's hard to... He's throwing upper 80s in high school, so not exactly a soft-tosser. But my major league standard's a soft-tosser. Um, Fit right in. So, TLDR, he went 3-for-3 three three against probably the highest level of competition he's going to see in high school, or one of the best pitchers he's going to see. Um, prompting Kylie McDaniel over at ESPN to write the headline, Brady House, quote, made some money tonight how one high school game could change the MLB draft. Uh, now, I do not have ESPN+, Plus, so I've not actually read the article. But going off that headline, I'm going to guess that – going off the headline and the corresponding stat line, I'm going to guess that uh, things were impressive. Mm. And I'm beginning to get a little worried that House is going to be gone by the time the Mets come up to the pick. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be surprised at this point. <laughs> the, the dude's just fucking mashing. He's good. Yep. If he, it's at the point now where if he was there at ten, I'm like literally sprinting the pick in. Oh yeah. 
if somehow would you say you would him. um you would bet the house on him if he's uh, there at ten? Uh-huh. Mm. See his name so good. Think about uh something else we I always like to consider because we uh we obviously wind up ha- writing way too many farm reports or uh, game recaps for those of us who do recaps. Like coming up with headlines is hard at some point. Oh yeah. Sometimes. So if you want to draft a guy with a very easily punnable name, I'm all here for it. House call, bet the house, bring the house down, coming or something, bring the house down. There's so many good ones. That there are. All right. Well, Thomas, your uh, follow Jaden Hill. Unfortunately, he tore his UCL. He's going to need Tommy John surgery, so his season is over. Yeah. So you get a do-over. I do. You get to follow someone else. So who are you going to be following? And tell us a little bit about this this gentleman. So. So it, this guy also has a very great name considering what he does, but the person that I'm picking is Prep Arm Andrew Painter, which Excellent. if your last name is Painter. Excellent. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's probably the best Prep Arm in the draft. Um, according to his Twitter bio, he's a Florida Gator commit, but... Um, <laughs> according best... to his Twitter bio, he's the best prep Well, no, 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 no. But... Um, <laughs> according... <laughs> I know, I kind of, I kind of mix those two together. But um, in his Twitter bio, he said he's, he's committed to Florida. But um, I mean, the Mets have gotten people out of that before. And um, basically, the reason why he interests me is he's kind of advanced in terms of his stuff for being in high school. For being in high school, um, he reminds me not so much like style, but more like how um, Matthew Allen had more pitches than you would expect from a high school kid. He reminds me of the same – it's kind of the same thing for him, for Andrew Painter. Um, he's tall. He's like 6'7". Um, so he has – of course, he's going to have room to grow into that. Um, he's from Florida. He goes to Calvary Christian Academy. Um, but, yeah, he's just one of those dudes. It's a nice, easy uh, delivery, even though he has a big body, which is always good to see. And um, you know the Mets love those tall pitchers. I mean, not so much anymore, but that was a thing for a while. And – I know that they like prep arms, so the reason why I zeroed in on him was I could see them kind of swinging on him if they think he's going to be good, because he, he'll probably be there at 10. Um, this is more of a guy who the Mets would be getting out in front of rather than hoping fall to them at 10. But, um, yeah, really, it's he has multiple pitches. He has a changeup already. He throws a breaking pitch. My cat is meowing a lot, which you could probably hear on the microphone. She's very excited. Andrew Painter fan as well. Oh, she's she's totally pumped about Andrew Painter. Excellent. But um, <laughs> but yeah, that that's really what it is for me. It's the multiple pitches at, out of high school. It's more polished than normal, and I I like the big tall pitchers. So I'm gonna be keeping an eye on him. Well, he's also don, he's also pitched for like the under 15 USA teams and stuff like that. So he has that mm. national, that, that national pedigree. Um, he's been around, he's been in the spotlight a little bit and he's last year, he gave up like one run in 15 innings and struck out like 30 before COVID stopped this season. So like he's already, he's a guy who's been around and been on the radars. It's just how this season will propel him in the draft. And if he even, if he goes to Florida or not, depending on how high school pitching lines are always so much fun. Oh yeah. Stupid. They're fun because like those poor kids have no chance against him. (laughs) I'm just going to put the bat down, you know, you're you're just there. Like just for, just decide to throw some balls, please. Mm -hmm. I actually like most of your art, like most of your justification there regarding like the advanced feel and the multiple pitches at a young age. Just generally don't love the idea of reaching for a prep arm. Yeah, because so it's, it's a tough profile. To me, he's more like to me he's more like a ten fifteen guy. Like in that stretch, he's not like yeah. a five to ten guy. And we've been right. kind of focusing on the five to ten guys. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it depends on who falls. Because if if someone like House is there, I'm going to take him over Painter. Right. But there's a there's a possibility that ten is kind of wonky with who got picked before, and you see a guy who's an advanced prep arm, and you're like, okay, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. I will also say that I think this is the class of arms that teams typically try to float, mm-hmm. right? So this would be the if they wanted to go with a similar plan and you, you reach out to this guy and say, hey, tell other teams you want more money and we'll give you that money in the second. And you give him whatever, three, four million in the second round, blow up the rest of your draft. If they want yeah. to do something like that, this would be that that'd be very interesting. 
and like that might be what the scouting department came up with with all the how they've been drafting the past few years. Mm-hmm. So if that's what they're going to still do, then this is a perfect guy to focus for that. Absolutely. Like you were like this is like this is the guy you would focus on if you want to do that. Yep. Well, they drafted your guy last year, Pico Armstrong. Exactly. So you're one for one so far. If they somehow do a little reach in their first round selection of painter, and then somehow magically get Jaden Hill. If I go in two the second for round, two you will be three for three. If, Tom, if I go Thomas three for three, Thomas, it doesn't if I go work. three for three in two years, I'm retiring from that. <laughs> I'm just not. Just, you're you're going to ask me for someone, and I'm going to sit there and be like, no, I can't reveal my sources. <laughs> His cat actually works in the front office. Yes. Yeah. Mm. yeah. She just brings me a. She just walks in with a little thing around her neck, and I and I open it, and it's the pick, and I'm like, okay, cool. And nice. I know, like, yeah. Gotta love corporate espionage. <laughs> All right, Ken Adrian Del Castillo has been Mr. Consistent. How has his week been this week? I'm gonna say he's a little down. Whoa! Um, at, wow. At this point, the average and on base are still there. Um, let's see, what did he hit last year? So, I mean, down from last year, but still he's batting 300 and he's getting on base 40% of the time, um, walks and strikeouts. He's still walking more than he struck out. However, the power still hasn't really come around. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's now down to 462 slugging on the year, which, you know, you'd hope that uh, a guy who's going to be primarily offensive, you know, his profile is going to be primarily carried by his offensive game. Mm-hmm. You'd, you'd think, you know, his slugging would be a little higher by now. I'm not terribly worried. I, I think he's still a very good hitter. I think he's still going to hit for some power. It's just here we are. He's 119 at bats into his season, and he still only has three home runs. So, with a metal uh, bat, with a mm. with a ping bat, yes. Um, in the last week, he went. Uh, two for four last Sunday against Pittsburgh, uh, with two singles. 0 for three, uh, on the 14th against FGCU. And combined went two for 12 against Clemson, uh, this weekend so far. Uh, with a double. So, you know, he's still very good, just maybe down a little bit considering you'd really like to see him hit for some power. Mm, I, gotcha. I could see, like, how boring his pro, his season has been and the lack of power getting him to 10. Yeah, I, even, I could very much see that as well. Even if, like, he maybe doesn't deserve to be there. I would 10. say he, he's a guy who probably will be in play in the general range that the Mets have been picking. Yeah, because I could see him being, like, everyone kind of looks at him and they're like, eh, and takes someone with more ceiling. But then at 10, you get a guy who's way more, you know what I mean? Like, I could kind of see that stuff working in the Mets' favor here. Which, I mean, get another catcher in the system. If that happens. Yep. I mean, it's I'm a little torn on, would we feel differently if he wasn't a catcher, right? Yes. <laughs> Most definitely, yeah. Well, no, see, I I, I'm not... Chance he's he's going to hit, um, and he's going to stick behind the plate, I think, so... Well, I'm almost more concerned that the offensive upside just isn't interesting enough, and I worry about the fact that he has to learn how to catch, right, or or work through the rigors of catching if that's going to dim the offense even further to the point where it's not as viable. I don't don't know. Catchers are so weird, man. (laughs) Yeah, catchers are... Like, if this was a guy... For instance, if you played a premium center field and was hitting like this, I might feel more comfortable... Because I'm less worried about the athletic atrophy related to playing his position, dimming the offense further, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, um, I know what you're saying. The flip know, side I, of that is, if he's an average offensive player and a catcher, course, right. <laughs> like, that's, there's like three of them. <laughs> so, right, like, right. Of course. getting it's, it's very Jaron, yeah. uh, who's that catcher for the Pirates, like, two decades ago? Kendall? Jaron, uh, help me out here, yeah, people. Yeah, Jaron Kendall. Yeah, uh, it's no, very, it's very vast. Jason, Kendall. Jason, Jason Kendall? thank you. I knew, I knew it was Jay Kendall something. Um, I could see that. Wow, that's a good pull. <laughs> but I could, I could see that, like an athletic, probably no speed catcher. Yeah, I could see that. 
I mean, he's gone from someone who I think was a pretty much consensus top five guy, and now we might be mm-hmm. seeing him down at 10, so I'm not going to complain if they wind up with him. I mean, all these players, regardless of where they're selected, they're good players. You know? Yeah. They're and, good players, and they're going to be top four, three in the Mets system. Yeah, exactly. The and the, the system, you know, it's kind of, eh, so they're going to slide in very, very high. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, so now on to our CPBL, KBO, and PB update. And first, we have the Unilions, the CPBL team. They went 4-1, and one, and they are currently at 14-10, and 10, which puts them alone at the top of the standings for first place. As expected, pitching has really carried them. Um, Brock Dykeshorn, he threw an 11-strikeout complete game. Uh, complete game shutout, actually. Teddy Stankiewicz, he threw a 10-strikeout complete game. Uh, left-hander, domestic left-hander, Chen Yun Chang, he had a strong 7-inning game, struck out 8. So pitching is really carrying them right now. And offense isn't slumping necessarily, but they are cooling off. But with the the outfielders that they have on that team and some of the infielders, they definitely have the ability to bounce back and post, like, all-star caliber numbers. So if the pitching continues as it's been and the offense picks up a little bit, that is a pretty potent team. That's why they won the championship last year. Yeah. Moving on to the KBO, and we have the LG Twins going 3-3 three and three this week. So that leaves them at 8-5. and five. And they're still in first place, but they're tied with the NC Dinos, the 2020 champions. The offense isn't really clicking right now, um, but they're getting amazing um, production from their leadoff man. Chang Ki Hung. Wow, is... wonder where we've seen that before. Yep, he's mm. doing his uh, best Brandon Nimmo impression. Well, 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 now let me ask, did they decide to bench him at some point for a defense, or, or no, not bench him, bat him eighth for some reason in any game? I cannot recall, but I wouldn't Look, put it past I was just motivating Nimmo to get him uh-huh. to who we are today. <laughs> and their catcher, uh, Kang Nam Yu, he's also... Uh, basically the only guy right now he's hitting for average, he's hitting for power, he's getting on base, doing, you know, everything. So guys like Hunso Kim and Roberto Ramos, they're bound to wake up eventually and start hitting the ball better. So hopefully they do so. That also sounds very Metsian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we just got to get them going. And finally, the Occult Swallows, and they went 3-3, three and three, and then they had a game postponed due to rain. So they are 8-7-3 and three on the season, which is good for third place right now. Uh, Munetaka Murakami, he is hitting 293, 447, 707 with seven homers, which is the most in the league. Tetsuo Yamada, he is starting to wake up. He is hitting 276, 344, 517 with five homers. And a couple of their other complementary players, they're hitting well. And pitching, which is, you know, going back to last year when we first started following them, pitching has been their Achilles heel. But so far, it's it's holding up. Um, their big foreign acquisition, Albert Suarez, he's off to a good start. They have a rookie right-hander, Yudo Kanabuko. He's looked good in a couple of starts. Uh, veterans Yasuhiro Ogawa and Hiratoshi Takanashi, they've pitched well. Don't know how long it's going to last, but for now it's good to say that, you know, they're actually getting some pitching as opposed to last year when literally it was just shit drizzles, nothing. <laughs> right. And we also have a little bit of roster news um, to to touch on real, real uh, quick here. And basically, Franklin Killame, surprisingly, yeah. uh, he's, he cleared waivers. He was outrighted off the 40-man and was sent to the alternate site in Coney Island. It was a decision we were all confused about to begin with. And I guess we're left with even more questions now since he was left exposed. I'm and there was just, Yeah, was not a single taker. There's got to be mean, something, right? Like, uh, I mean, he's he's a free agent at the end of the year, so maybe that had something to do with it. And obviously, still, 
you know, the performance last year wasn't that great in limited innings, but the potential is still there. You know, we under, if we understand that it, it takes a little bit of time to get back from coming back from Tommy John surgery, obviously I would hope major league teams <laughs> would know that too. And, you know, you're, you're telling me that there's not a single team in the entire majors, yeah. including the Mets, that doesn't have like just a low leverage mop-up spot in the bullpen where they could just roll the dice on a guy like him because the only downside is they have to pay like $20,000 for the waiver claim. And if it works, I mean, if it doesn't work, whatever. And if it does, then, hey, you have something solid or maybe even better for the season. And maybe, you know, you, you, you get some goodwill and you sign a cheap contract or something like that with them if it does work. So I don't know. There, there must I'm, be something. I'm surprised. Maybe he's hurt again. Yeah, it has to be something because I don't know. But you would have think that we would have heard some news out of some source somewhere, you know, that his velocity is down or. I mean, you you really telling me that there are forty better players on the fucking Orioles roster right now, or the Pirates roster, or the Rockies roster? Look. <laughs> He can make this Rockies bullpen. <laughs> no kidding. I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a little surprised. I 100% expected him to get claimed. Yeah. And my first thought when he didn't, I was like, oh, so like he's been terrible in the alternate site. Like that's the only thing. Like it, it hasn't come out yet, but other teams saw him and were like, eh, like he's been bad. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, they're just teams are just like not wanting to claim a free arm. It's, Which, like, it's not like he's a golden arm or anything like that. Like oh, yeah. He is the kind of guy where I don't want to say he's a dime a dozen, but you know, maybe being in the Mets system, that's kind of shallow. You know, We kind of see him in a more special light than other teams might, but still. I mean, to me, like he's the type of guy, if I'm the, a GM of a really bad team, you get him and you see if he's good. And if he is, then you stick him in the pen and trade him in two years mm-hmm. at the deadline for a lot. Really? You know what I mean? Like, right. like it, and it's it's a free possibility of a of a player. But I guess now the Mets. I mean, I'm happy he's staying. Obviously, uh, I actually have a, I have a question here. I wonder if there's a um, amateur side overvaluing of this player because this is the second transaction in. Well, actually, I guess that's longer than I ago than I realized due to COVID. But I, I would say we had a very similar reaction when the Mets were able to acquire him for yeah. as Drupal Cabrera. I was one hundred percent like he's too good to get traded for like thirty something. Right. And, and, and to be fair, he was injured at the time and whatever. But I, I'm I'm wondering, given that and this, if there's something on the pro side that isn't making its way out, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always is a possibility. That's possible, yeah. But, hey, he's he's with us, and hopefully they can get something out of him this year. Absolutely. Here's hoping. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. So before we get to our preview of Brooklyn, um, there's one more, I guess, just general baseball stuff to discuss. 
It was reported a couple of days ago that Major League Baseball is going to be tinkering with some rules again this upcoming season in the Atlantic League. So in addition to all the rules that we went over a couple of weeks ago um, that are going to be implemented in the minors, Major League Baseball is also testing out some new stuff in the Atlantic League, which is where they basically... I don't want, I don't want to say they bought it in 2015 with the express purpose of, you know, experimenting with things. I'm almost certain that's what happened. <laughs> but yeah, that is, that does seem to be literally what's going on here. So first thing that they're going to be experimenting with in the Atlantic League this year is that they're going to be modifying the designated hitter rule so that it only applies basically to starting pitchers. After the first pitching change is made, the DH will no longer be in the game and relievers are going to have to come up to bat. And, yeah, I, I'm 100% anti-DH. I'd, I'd rather be, like, waterboarded than see the DH <laughs> in the National League. Not a fan at all. Not a fan at all. I can see the writing on the wall. Steve hates David Ortiz confirmed. Yeah. Uh, he's okay. How can you hate Big Poppy? Come on. You can't hate Big Poppy. Yeah. Well, you're, um, tele you're related to that telephone he brutally murdered in Baltimore. <laughs> oh, that's that true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I could see the writing on the wall that DH is going to be in the National League. But if they implement something like this, I'm okay with it. It's honestly, Where, like, it's kind of fun. Like, yeah. it sounds ridiculous on its face, but so it gives everyone, it's the best, it's the best of both worlds thing. Cause I'm pro DH cause I just want to see the big dingers. Cause I'm like a child. But like, <laughs> it, 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 there is now, that would be a legitimate strategy of, hey, when we take this pitcher out, now mm -hmm. we have to worry about when we're doing it. In the, you know what I mean? Like, because one of the big things a lot of anti-DH people say is, like, it that it takes strategy out of the game. I don't necessarily agree, but, I mean, I understand their point. So, like, I think that's what it's kind of do is trying to bridge the gap between people who don't want to see it and people who do. And it kind of hybrids it. And it's kind of fun. It's, it's it's quirky and weird. And that's that's cool. I think I would go so far as to say I don't understand why this isn't how we do the DH now. <laughs> yeah, because, like, it keeps bench cool. players viable. It allows pitchers to, like, starting pitchers to not focus, to focus on just, I mean, they can't hit even if they focus on hitting because, <laughs> like, none of them are Shohei Otani. But, like, um, it allows pitchers to just pitch, and then you still could get the big bench bat to pinch hit in the seventh. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's it's cool all around. I'm indifferent. I've been convinced that the DH is fine. If they want to do it this way, whatever. If they want to do it the normal DH way, whatever. All I know is my gut says maybe. <laughs> Goddamn neutrals. Yeah. What make, <sighs> What is it that makes a man go neutral? All right, so the next rule is going to be that the strike zone is going to be modified. The Atlantic League is going to be using trackman data to call balls and strikes, just like um, low A Southeast this year. But the, in the Atlantic League's case, the strike zone is going to be shaped a little different. It's going to be wider. It's going to be not as tall. And I think this is going to be the big thing here. The trackman software, it's going to be calculating the strike zone as a flat, 2D conceptualization instead of a 3D one, meaning that the call is going to be made based on where the, the ball is when it crosses the plane at the front of the of the plate. Normally, you know, umpires will make the call somewhere between when it breaks that plane and when it gets into the catcher's mitt. So about three or four inches are being cut out from strike zone this year in the Atlantic League. Uh, I think this is such a nuanced thing. I, I'm also neutral. I don't really know how to feel about this, so. I, so, um, I think the shape idea is, let, let's just start there, right? I think that makes sense, right? Because the rule book conception of the strike zone does not exist. The strike zone is not called from the knees to the shoulders. It is called from, like, knees to chest at most. Usually it's knees to navel. It's a, it, the rule book conception of the strike zone is a myth, and it's usually also a little bit wider. So the fact that they're acknowledging this and building it into the system is good. Um, regarding the 2D strike zone, 
I think that's going to be problematic, particularly because they've made it 2D at the front of the plate, right? So you're going to have pitchers who are learning to throw a breaking ball or a fastball that moves, what have you, that nicks the front of the plate, that little zone, as it's just diving into the dirt or diving into the other batter's box. So, so a pitch that is, for all intents and purposes, unhittable, yeah, that will be called a strike. Um, now, your the counterpoint would be, yeah, you could do this anywhere, depending on where the 2D zone is. But I think if you put that zone somewhere in the middle of the plate, right? If you did it at the back of the plate, you'd have a pitch that was just catching the zone as it was, like, right at the end. So it's not hittable and just nicking it at the end. I think if you put the plane in the middle, you could balance out these concerns. Um, now, as a hitter, maybe you're forced to stand up further up in the box, right, so that they can't nick the zone this way. Uh, but then you're going to be even more vulnerable to the higher velocity, which, as every study has shown, is the most direct cause of the increased strikeout rate over the past two decades. So... Uh, I don't think the 2D conception is in and of itself a bad idea. I just don't agree with putting it at the front of the plate. Mm. I think that's a mistake. That's a very well thought out counter argument. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta contribute something here, Steve, right? And, <laughs> and sitting here drawing squares for a while is, is the best I can do. Everyone has their own, everyone has their own way to contribute, so it's all good. <laughs> All right, and the last rule, and arguably the biggest, although you could definitely make the case that that last one we just talked about with the strike zone is bigger, um, but the rubber on the pitching mound is going to be pushed back a foot from 60, 60 and a half feet to 61 and a half feet. This is one that was supposed to have gone into effect in 2019, but Major League Baseball and the Atlantic League basically ended up kicking the can down the road because there's a lot of outrage and... You know, because they just kind of sprung it on everyone suddenly. No one had time to prepare. So it was supposed to be tested last year, but obviously the season last year never happened. So here we are, and now it's finally going to get implemented in the second half of the year. Um, moving the rubber back a foot will basically increase – well, not basically. It will increase the distance that a pitch travels, um, and that basically reduces its velocity when it gets to the plate by about a mile and a half. And it also is going to cause the ball to cross the plane at the plate at a different point in its trajectory than it would have than when it does now what pitchers and catchers are used to. Um, not really a fan of this one. So Major League Baseball obviously realizes that there's a strikeout problem, and I agree with them. But I don't know if anything that they're doing is going to fix it. <laughs> like, I... This is like I, I this has been a thing that I've seen a lot of people say is an idea that they had that could work, and I understand what they're saying because the breaking pitches will break less and pitches will be slower. But like you could do other things, you could lower the mound, you could deaden the ball a little bit to like keep the home runs. Like, I think the ball is the most viable thing. Yeah, because you could you could mess with the ball quite a bit and figure it out. And I think well, I think there's a yin and yang to the ball, yin and yang, excuse me, uh, <laughs> to the ball. And the smarter people who do the actual aerodynamics here can, I'm sure, chime in more accurately than I can. But you want to reduce homers, you reduce the drag on the ball. Mm-hmm. That'll end, but that increases velocity. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's or excuse me. So I did that totally backwards. You want to reduce yeah. homers, you increase the increase. drag on the ball, but, it, but it, that it, makes pitches move more, right? Because you get yeah. more air resistance. So you increase, you're still increasing strikeouts, right? So homers and and uh, pitch movement, right? Those are like anti-correlated based on uh, certain ball factors, right? So uh, the ball changes are, are a challenge. Also, MLB's validation of the changes they make to the balls remains horrific, right? They made changes this year and seem to have done like zero testing on them. Yeah, they just kind of threw the balls out there and said, let's see how they work. And it's like, well, that's not what you should. <laughs> I don't know. My it's just they got to do something because 
when the Mets strike out the Rockies in like 80% of their at bats, that's, that's bad for the sport. Like, it's just not fun. It's fun to watch in the moment and then you're like, oh, that kind of was stupid. Like, like, why, that shouldn't be. Uh, so that's the thing, that's where I disagree. I'm, I'm a, always pro pitching. I'm always on the pro pitching side. And basically, if the hitters are striking out at a rate that's so excessive that it, you know, statistically, whatever, that it's dragging the team down, then they need to get, they need to get better. They need to change their game plan. They need to start doing something. I don't like whenever Major League Baseball sticks their hands in things and changes stuff just kind of artificially. So, like, the problem is I don't know. Like, at some point, there's going to be a pitcher who throws, like, hard enough where it's just not possible for most people to hit it. See, I don't, like, know, I don't know that there is, right, because we're reaching the biological yeah. upper limit. Oh, I, sure. I want to say that, like, literally, the, the ergonomically or whatever the word might be. Biomechanically. Biomechanically, yes, thank you. I think, like, 107 or 108 is, like, the most that a, a, a human arm can physically do without exploding. Yeah, yeah. ligaments can only withstand. Yeah, that. like, eventually, like, you got it, you'll reach the peak. But I think yeah. a pitcher's peak would be higher than most hitters' ability. So at some point, like, you have to do something. Because, like, it, it's 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 you got to balance it a little bit. You got like, like they they did it before. They've lowered the mound before when pitching got too overpowered, and it worked. Right. You know what I mean? And because when teams are scoring like three runs a game every game all the time, it's bad for the sport. And like baseball has changed; it's overgone a bunch of stuff over the years that changes things. It's just I hope they just they got to start. I think they don't make the right. Just changes like no this like, is that's my biggest issue this is something that ba- basically like we all know why they want to do this is because they want to increase the action and bring more eyes to the game increase viewership all that kind of stuff and at the end of the day like i think we all want that we all want to see baseball not major league baseball make money but we all want to see the the game as a whole get more popular and you know we we want to talk to base we we want to talk about baseball to just random people in the streets and and more baseball fans that there are out there the, the more opportunity we can do that whatever but Trevor May brought this point up um I read it on Twitter like yesterday or two 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 days ago whatever either he posted this or somebody posted this as a response to him but studies have been done basically I don't remember by who I don't know where you could find it but you can if you want to search but. Of all the major American sports, hockey has the most action per capita. There's more stuff going on on a constant basis. There's less dead time. There's less commercial time than football, basketball, obviously, baseball. That makes sense. But hockey is the least popular of all those four sports. And it's – there just isn't – you know, there isn't a direct correlation between action and popularity. So, I mean, it also – got destroyed when it locked out for like a year. Right. I mean there's other there's other like, the league itself is a disaster, yeah. the NHL. So exactly. like that's a huge issue is mm-hmm. is the labor problems and how bad the NHL is with marketing itself and Oh don't worry, MLB's got that all under oh, control. Yeah. Right. Really yeah. healthy labor relationship. Exactly. No conflicts whatsoever. <laughs> that's a lot of the issues that I'm <laughs> seeing and I'm like, ooh, I remember that. You know, exactly. I, I remember watching the NHL on Versus, you know, you're so gonna, you're going to be that guy. You're going to be that Hank goes guys at the hangman's noose meme first time. <laughs> yeah, right. That's really what it is. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember when all my favorite players were playing in Sweden for a year because there was no NHL. Like, but, and and you could see the writing on the wall with MLB and the PA, how mad at they are, how mad at each other they are all the time. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, stuff's an issue. Putting balls in play more, making more hits, more home runs, higher scores, fewer strikeouts, whatever. That'll increase ratings to some degree. That'll get people more vested in the game and and talking about it more to some degree. But the base problems are so much bigger than that. You know, what's going to what's going to make what's going to address like the real problems of baseball more instituting a pitch clock or. You know, not jealously guarding gifts and videos from being disseminated online without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. You know what I mean? You can like, do both. 
So right. Well, yeah, you could do both, but like, like this doesn't. You don't have to. Thomas, just you'll get neither and like it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> pretty <probably>. much. <laughs> but they you know, should be doing both. Like, you could do a pitch clock because I pitch clocks are fine and it speeds up a little bit of the game. Oh, you know, I have nothing against. I'm I'm fine with the pitch clock. It's just something random that came up. But, oh no, you know, yeah, I was I was just using your thing as an example. Yeah, but, you um, could change the 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 size of the strike zone or how it's being recorded, or whatever. But at the end of the day, you know. You're cutting 40 minor league teams. Like, gee, what's going to cause mm-hmm. a bigger problem, you know, yeah, you, with your viewership? You could change the ball, but also, like, 10 teams are trying to win a World Series right now. Right. So, yeah. No, it, it, that might be I, high. I, yeah, that honestly do, <laughs> might be high. Like, See, I, th- I, think, I think that's an excellent point, Thomas, that... And I, I almost think it actually counteracts your own argument a little bit. Like, probably. Maybe, maybe you're right that less balls in play is... Uh, making the game less interesting. Too many strikeouts makes the game less interesting. I don't know that I agree, but I can understand the argument, which is why mm-hmm. I'm kind of neutral on the whole mound issue. Um, but that's not that wasn't the point I wanted to make. It's more I, I think the much bigger issue in terms of the quality of the product is the fundamental uh, economics being totally decoupled from winning, leading to there being yeah. only like. Yep. X teams trying, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, we could sit here and debate uh, whether the visual aesthetic of uh, home run ball it sucks, or if, if, if whether the aesthetics of the game are good or not. But the much bigger problem fundamentally is that for most most teams, there's no reason to really try. Right? Like, how can you be a Rockies fan right now? Right. Like, they just traded Nolan. There's Arano. no reason They're... to be a Rockies fan yeah, right now. Ever. You're, you're going to trade story, and then who cares at that point? Like, And I don't know what the situation is in hockey because I, I keep trying to get into hockey and not getting into it. But compared to – like every team in football is trying. It's like there's two teams tanking a year maybe. And as soon as they get their quarterback, they start trying. And, and you know, I, I don't even think – in an absolute sense, I don't think tanking is bad. I think there are – like if you have the bottom five teams in your league saying, yeah, we're going to suck for a year so we can be better in the future, I don't think that's a problem. But when it's 20 teams, yeah, mm-hmm. right, like that, and and basketball is obviously a different animal because of how star dependent the roster construction is, right? But that's and, all and, other. Story. And I was going to say baseball is the opposite, where okay, the Orioles tanked for Adley Rushman, who won't be here for three years, right? So exactly, who can't, like it's not who cares because he's going to be good when he's there, but when is he going to be? The, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. again, Mike Trout's the best player of our generation, and maybe ever. And he's made the playoff once. Because Do- the Dodgers have the, what, the winningest, winningest record. Or, the Dodgers and Yankees threw the best teams in baseball of the last decade and have consistently had elite farm systems. Like, it's not tied to yeah. – like the, the Sixers tanking for three years to land Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, smart. The Jags tanking for Trevor Lawrence, smart. Baseball teams tanking for insert number one overall pick here, not Mark that it's, it's not It's not compatible for the sport. It's just not right. how – it's right. not how you build a team because you don't they don't show up right away. So it doesn't matter. It matters and it doesn't matter at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's all basically just window dressing to distract us from the real problem which is as Owners we said the spend. underlying yep, the underlying economics of it all. Yep. <sighs> That's the biggest issue is for me with mm-hmm. baseball is the economics because how could you <laughs> Yeah, some some twelve year old is like, Oh, I'm gonna become a, a fan of my local baseball team and then they're like, Well, son, your favorite player is in arbitration <laughs> and he's about to be traded to the Yankees for two mediocre pitchers because the the pirates don't want to pay him. You know what I mean? Like how do you build a lifelong baseball fan that way? <laughs> because Well, that kid has it better than the kid where, you know, he was gonna go to the minor league uh, stadium, but guess what? That's true too. We, yeah. we just took your team away. Sorry, kid. Definitely not good situation. Well, maybe I guess we'll cheer us up a little bit is finally we'll get to <laughs> the meat and potatoes of our show today, the Brooklyn Cyclones preview. Um, I think this year we might institute um, like a, a fine jar kind of situation this year, and I think we might make a decent amount of money because St. Lucie was synonymous with the high A, but not anymore. It's gonna, definitely going to take some getting used to. It's not high A St. Louis anymore. It's going to be high A Brooklyn. 
I'm gonna mess uh, this up. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna write this wrong in the farm reports. Is where I'm gonna write it wrong. 100%. Oh fuck, I hadn't even considered that. On the <laughs> other hand, that's the fringe benefit. Farm reports much shorter now. Much shorter. Yes, yes, yes. Five I'm gonna look max. at that and be like, "Hi, a Brooklyn." That's wrong. And then, I'm <laughs> right? Yeah, it just it just feels wrong. I'm gonna, I'm gonna by like my fourth farm report. I'm gonna support Major League Baseball gutting the minor leagues. Luke's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be like, "Make them shorter." This is so much better. Uh, no, no. What is actually gonna happen is in in the middle of the summer when I don't when the farm report doesn't suddenly double in length. Mm-hmm. Oh God, yeah. yeah. So formerly Brooklyn was, of course, the Mets' short A affiliate. They were in the New York Penn League, and they're the last New York Penn League champions ever, in fact, when they won last year. But instead of playing in the New York Penn League McNamara division in 2021, they will now find themselves playing in the High A East North division. And the other teams in the High A East North include... The Orioles affiliate, the Aberdeen Ironbirds, who are also New York Penn refugees. The Yankees affiliate, the Hudson Valley Renegades, who also won the New York Penn. The Phillies affiliate, the Jersey Shore Blue Claws, formerly the Lakewood Blue Claws, who used to be um, the northernmost team in the South Atlantic League, but they got shifted. And the Nationals affiliate, the Wilmington Blue Rocks, who formerly were in the Carolina League. So in addition to those teams in the division, Cyclones are also going to be playing teams in the high A East South. And those teams include the Asheville Tourists, who are the Astros affiliate, the Bowling Green Hot Rods, who are the Rays affiliate, Greensboro Grasshoppers, who is the Pirates affiliate, Greensville Drive, which is the Red Sox affiliate, Hickory Crawdads, which is the Rangers affiliate, the Rome Braves, which is Boring, and the Braves affiliate. Oh, I'm shocked. I know. <laughs> and the Winston-Salem Dash, the White Sox affiliate. That's a new name. Yeah. It's disappointing that they're... Wait, that's not Salem, Massachusetts, is it? It's No, it's like okay, Kentucky or something like that. I was going to say, if they were from Salem and didn't go with some sort of witch's team name, I was going to be very disappointed. So coaching the inaugural High A Cyclones is going to be Ed Blankmeyer. He was hired last season. He was supposed to manage last year, but obviously the season was canceled. He did get some experience though last year uh, as a professional coach because he was at the alternate training site. Obviously, he was on Coney Island. He's the manager of the Cyclones who play in Coney Island. So he was a big part of those um, workouts and scrimmage games last year, probably is still right now. He was the longtime St. John's guy, right? Yes, he coached uh, at St. John's. Um, he was hired in 1996, and he remained employed by them until 2019. So under his leadership, they went 829, 504. Not really <laughs> sure. Those four ties over the course of like 20 years, not really sure how that happened, but uh, he won six... Six Big East Conference regular nice. season championships, five Big East tournament championships. He made 10 NCAA regional appearances and one super regional appearance. And basically for the entire time that he was coach from 96 to 2019, they had a record on uh, under 500 just once during that entire period. Nice. So That's a good bad. like good age level for him, too. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's pretty similar ages. Yeah. Yep, yep. So I wonder similar... if there's an argument for having co- guys with college coaching experience at the lower levels because they have experience. Yeah. I don't want to call them, like, life coaches, but maybe they have a bit more of those life coaching skills having dealt with. They know how to college. deal with kids that age. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. That's... And we've, all, we've gone that. on many diatribes about how minor league teams should do more of that. I would be shocked if that wasn't part of the reason why they hired him, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plus, at the time, you know, Brooklyn, yeah, time St. John. Mm-hmm. All right, so similar to, like, the Rumble Ponies last year, it's not really that easy to guess the assignments for, you know, who's going to be going to high A Brooklyn this year. So what we're going to do is we're going to take our top prospect list here, and we're going to guess who is going to get assigned to Brooklyn. So first up, our number one prospect, Ronnie Mauricio. Do you think that he gets sent to Brooklyn this year? 
Yeah, I think he starts. I think he there. starts there. Yeah. yeah. I think we're right going to see field. a lot of that. A lot of guys starting in Brooklyn and then not staying there for long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see him starting there and hitting like 400 over two weeks, and then be like, "All right, you're done here. Like you, you, could, you, you, you're you're better than this." Because like we've been saying, the Mets also don't know, right? This league. I yeah. feel as a low guy on Mauricio. I to, uh, I'm obligated to. He might also just not be good at Brooklyn and stay stay there all year. Yep, that's possible. One hundred percent. Next up, our number two prospect, Matthew Allen, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And him, I, I, I think he'll blow everyone away at Brooklyn and quickly go to Double A. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Brooklyn is a is a pitcher's ballpark. So. Oh, oh my God, he might not give up a run. I mean, he was already at Brooklyn when they were uh, whatever they were before. The, the Penguins. Yeah. yeah, right, right, right. And he was good then too. So. Mm-hmm. Next up is our number three prospect, Francisco Alvarez. Mm. Maybe too soon to go yeah, to Brooklyn. I think they level below to yeah. start. He could be someone He's who moves to Brooklyn. Number four, third baseman, Brett Beatty. Yes. Brooklyn. Brooklyn, but I would be really, if he looks even halfway decent, I would be trying to push him. Yes. I agree, I agree with that. Okay, yep. Especially because you got to make sense, make room for the next guy. The next guy being <laughs> outfielder, Pete Carl Armstrong. Oh, well, I meant the next third <laughs> baseman, but, you, you know, whatever. That would have been an awesome segue if it was, if it was, uh, yeah. right though. Almost, almost. But is PCA going to Brooklyn? No. No. <laughs> it's probably too soon for him. Now comes the other third base. Off by Mark one? Vientos. Come on. Off by one. <laughs> so, yeah, this one's tricky. Do you think they put him at Brooklyn at, like, first base until Beatty gets promoted? Or... I have no clue. <laughs> I don't know what to do with him. Also, a lot of this stuff is probably much, 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 much more clear to the Mets because they had access to all these guys last year at yes. the alternate site and more so at, you know, this year at, at, um, spring training. We're, we're basically guessing how they advanced in a year behind closed doors <laughs> where they didn't play anyone but each other. So. <laughs> I could see him starting at Brooklyn at first base, or I could see him actually starting a level higher and just being like, here you go, try to figure it out. But that's also aggressive. Yeah, I could I could see them having him start in Binghamton just because high A now is almost like low A used to be, and he was in low A last year, even though he didn't really like hit the cover of the ball or nothing like that, but he was okay, but he, yeah. so yeah. He also saw a lot of time in spring with the team. Mm-hmm. Had the highest on-base percentage with four walks. He's a regular Brandon Nemo now. <laughs> um, number seven on our list is Josh Wolf, but he is no longer with us. So instead, Jalen Palmer. He'll be going Palmer. to Cleveland. Yeah, he'll be going to Cleveland. Jalen Palmer, the Brooklyn native. He's from Canarsie. Does he I, go to Coney Island? This is the first one I'm not 100% sure on. Like, the second one. I mean, after Vientos, I'm really not sure on him. I think they. I think he needs more time below Brooklyn. I'm fine with that if they do that. I, I agree, yeah. And I like Palmer quite a bit. I think he needs a little bit of time below Brooklyn. And also, like, at some point, Brooklyn gets, has too many people. Yeah. <laughs> so Everyone goes to Brooklyn. He's also someone who should probably be another probable third baseman, right? And I think it's easier to play him at short than it is Vientos, right? But Yes. In the UK, kind of stick him there for now. Mm-hmm. Number nine, JT Ginn. He should be coming back at the end of the year. I honestly, if it's the end of the year, right? I would assume. So then I don't think he goes July. Yeah. You know. I, I think, think he'll. I'll see, think he'll go to I whichever. Him... Oh, okay, go ahead. I think he'll be in whatever team is in the playoff in a playoff push, and he'll be in the bullpen. Mm. And he'll bounce between a couple levels, assuming he's healthy. I can see that. That's a good point. I didn't think about yeah. that. That's what they did with I, Anthony K. I would K a probably push him to um, uh, Brooklyn solely because that's 
that's what historically that that's where he would be. Um, right. Also, is the closest level of competition to SEC baseball that he was. Yeah, he would destroy. Very, very good for a few years. Uh, that's, a fair, that's a fair. Point. Very high level. Mm-hmm. So that makes that makes a lot of sense. If he if he was like coming back mid season, for instance, and we, he was going to get like ten or twelve starts, I'd say start him at Brooklyn. Um, but I think he, since he's going to be coming back a little bit later than that, it's probably going to be like, hey, go pitch two high leverage innings for this playoff team. Could you imagine you got a game plan for that? Like, oh no, he's way more advanced in this level, mm-hmm. and he's going to pitch the seventh and the eighth. Well, better score in the first six. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next up would be number 10, Franklin Killame. He's not really eligible. eligible. No, Same going thing. To the alternate yeah. I mean, that is Brooklyn right now. So he is going to Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> so, yes, he is going to Brooklyn. Confirmed. Um, Thomas Zipucky, same thing. Doesn't really apply to him. Number 12, should be in the Newton. team. Newton. Newton, I think, I starts no in Brooklyn and will probably struggle. Man. This team is fun, the Brooklyn team. Like, oh, yeah. Yes. Like, going through it, it's like all the dudes you need to pay attention to, that's where they're going to be. So I might actually have to go out to a game this year. Mm-hmm. Get that uh, get that unlimited Metro card. Uh-huh. Um, next up would be Isaiah Green. I think that we can all agree that he's... He's going to Cleveland. Yeah. yeah. Um, next up would be Freddy Valdez. No. No. But we have not. We have yet to bring, put a picture in Brooklyn. No, wait. Yeah, we have. Again, uh, at the end of the year. Yeah. Well, here's here's another possibility. Number fifteen, Junior Santos. No, maybe. Crap. Uh, uh, I don't know. I think he needs more time lower down. Yeah, I would not. I wouldn't send it to Brooklyn. I could see both of those guys getting to Brooklyn quickly. Yeah. I could see him reaching Brooklyn, but I can't see him starting in Brooklyn. Yes. I think Brooklyn is where they end up, like, a month or maybe two into the season, three into the season, even later than that. They start blowing away people below that. They're just going to move them up. Next would be number 16, Harold Gonzalez, who's not really applicable here. Number 17, Robert Dominguez. No. Lower level. Agreed. Mm Mm-hmm. Number 18, Alexander Ramirez. Lower. Lower. <laughs> this whole group is going to be lower. Like yeah. all the, all the, or yeah. two, or can be like Riley Gilliam, which is later, which is going to be too high. Number 19, Dyson Acosta. That I could see Brooklyn. Yeah, I could see him going to Brooklyn. I would send him to Brooklyn. Um, 20, Sam McWilliams, not really applicable no. here. Well, he's at the alternate site, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, again, he is technically in Brooklyn. Um, 21 is Adrian Hernandez, outfielder. He's young. He might be the one I... Yeah, he's still coming back from that knee thing. If he's healthy, I might push him, because he's seen the lower levels a little bit more than Ramirez and Valdez, but still probably lower. I would not send him. I mean, it's... That's really aggressive. Yeah, his that level. He has like seven GCL games or something like that. Like that's yeah, it's more than really. Yeah, it's not enough. I guess you're right. Yeah, it's really aggressive. Yeah, it is correct. That it is more than those other guys, but still, it's negligible. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a real log jam in the outfield in the in below yeah. Brooklyn, and there's a real log jam at third base from Brooklyn on up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Twenty-two would be Stanley Consuegra. Same thing, no. you know, no. with, with him and Hernandez, just not enough. Um, next is 23, Andy Rodriguez, who is no longer with us. I don't even remember where he is now. He's but... in Pittsburgh for Lucchese. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yep, yep, yep. He was the three-team trade guy. 24 is Giordani Ventura, who has basically... Uh, GCL experience. I quite like Ventura, I'm a, I'm, so I might push him to Brooklyn, but again, that's aggressive. That's aggressive, yeah. I might I push him because they just have no pitching. Yeah, I could see it just to test them a little bit, 
But actually, excuse me, he was promoted to Kingsport at the end of the year in twenty. Yeah, I thought he had gotten some Kingsport time. That's but I think it's Brooklyn. I think is just a little bit too much for him. Possibly that might be a little too aggressive. My general thought is that I'm more willing to push pitchers because you can still learn stuff. Yeah, pitching. That's you don't need right hitting hitters. I'm much less willing to push hard. Like hitters, you just getting up there and getting blown away on three pitches is, right. don't do anything for you. It, right. it just makes you upset. <laughs> like right. it just it just pisses you off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean... This is a stacked Brooklyn's roster. Brooklyn's going to hit, man. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I was going to say, we can kind of can differ a little bit spots here and there, but I think we can all agree that Brooklyn is going to be a very fun team. Obviously, Brooklyn must win. That, mm-hmm. you know, it can be the Wilpons, it could be the Cohens, but that truism will remain true. Yep. That's a fun squad. A lot of mm-hmm. prospects. A lot of prospects. Do a live pod from the stands. <laughs> that would be that would be interesting. Audio quality poor. <laughs> we'll just like Brian, do something with this. <laughs> Brian, please save it. Where did you film this? The boardwalk at Coney Island. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nathan's. <laughs> Someone orders Nathan's, and like one of us orders it, forgot to move. Well, let's wrap up with the Will Pondery of the Week. And usually Will Pondery of the Week is like kind of lighthearted. But, I mean, literally in the middle of the George Floyd murder trial, it gets preempted because of another murder of another guy. And just as that starts sinking in, we have yet another killing by the police. This time of a freaking 13-year-old kid. You know, I think it's kind of appropriate that we have a heavier Will Pondery of the week this week, given the rather heavy revelations we got about the toxic environment within mm-hmm. the Mets uh, organization. Yep. I forget who wrote it at The Athletic. That's my bad. Um, and I think that should just remind us that while we like to joke and laugh at the Will Ponds justifiably because they're <laughs> clowns, they are, were, and remain clowns, uh, Clowns like that wind up doing really shitty things that they should be called out on more aggressively. Um, and that stuff's happening now because they're gone. Yep. It's it, so. Say now, not that I'm going to draw parallels between sexual harassment in a sports franchise, which is awful, and the systematic racism in the country. Those are two obviously very different scales, but. Um. Do your best to change what you can yeah. when you have the chance to. And call shit out when you see it. All right. If anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complexthequeens at gmail.com. You could follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahus343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at said Met Season SZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it. And of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets, love the Mets. Love the Mets.